0: Alright, welcome back. This is the DJ for Party One podcast. This is your host, CL45. And I say welcome back because I'm assuming that you have at least listened to another podcast if you're this far up in the double digits with the episodes. I don't know. It could be a little presumptuous. This may be your first episode, first time finding me. So if you did, I'm thankful for that, but also go back and listen to the other stuff because there's good stuff in those episodes as well, but still in the eighties here and what I wanted to talk about briefly because with the DJs, I'll probably cover more of that with like the mixtape thing in the nineties, but, um, I wanted to bring up like a signature thing that I noticed for the 80s that is just not even a thing anymore. And that's kind of like, I feel the top billing that was given to the DJs in the 80s um, for some of these groups that were out or some of these artists, duos, if you would call it. And... Yeah, that that's just the DJ just doesn't get the props that they used to get anymore. And I guess I started thinking about it because we're in this age of like the AI stuff is out there, and you know you got people that are creating a voice that sounds like I saw something with Biggie, I saw something with Tupac, I've seen Jay Z's stuff or heard like the voices. Of those Kanye may be the most popular one because they have thrown him into singing everything from Adele to I don't even know what else it was that they they used his voice for and my wife was saying now nah, I don't think that sounds like Tupac I don't think that sounds like Biggie but from the ones I saw on YouTube or listened to to me they kind of sort of did and maybe didn't i mean it's the early stages i'm sure it will get to a point where it will be much better than what it is now but yeah i'm not a fan of it at the moment um i don't know if i ever will be but it just shows how so much has changed in terms of the music in terms of the production in terms of how things are made because so much is made by way of a computer computer generated you know all this stuff like that and same thing with like DJ's because I dabble around some of the 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 programs where there's scrap I'm by no means a, a DJ in the in the realms of like Jazzy Jeff and all these other guys that I admire but back in the day before everything became so simplified and I won't even say simplify because some of these computer programs are <laughs> very difficult to use. But DJs definitely got a lot of props in the 80s. And it was evident one thing that you knew for sure was like this DJ is solid or this album is going to have something where the dj gets his own song or maybe a couple of songs gets a chance to shine because his name is first for example eric b and rakim dj jazzy jeff and fresh prince those were the times where you had that DJ that was like, they had a solo song where it was just them scratching, they were showing off the skills. And I absolutely loved that. Now, when we got to It Takes Two, Rob Bass and DJ Easy Rock, I was thinking, what is Rob doing? Doesn't he know that the DJ is not supposed to be first? But, <laughs> but I guess things had changed at that time. There are other groups that had a DJ and other artists and they had a DJ that was good, but like there was you know no mention of the DJ and that, I mean, yeah, I can understand it for some stuff. I, I just, I, I appreciate it when the DJ got that, that top billing that, you know, or they were put in there where they have their own song on the album. I know when the Salt and Pepper and Spinderella, I can't remember exactly how it was worded in that, but I know something came up, maybe that was last year, or maybe around the time the Lifetime movie or something. And I know it was some type of honor that they were getting and Spinderella was kind of sorta of excluded from the Whatever acknowledgement, maybe it was an award. I can't remember what it was, but she was kind of sort of heated about how she was kind of excluded from that stuff. And in her case, I definitely can understand where there would be some friction because when you look at the album covers, you know, Hide and Vicious. I'm trying to think of like Salt with a Deadly Pepper. Spinderella is on the cover of that. She was on like, I I can't be sure. For real. I, I really can't. Um, Even though I've seen probably all the covers. But I want to say that she was always present. And to me, she almost seemed like at times more than just the DJ. Like a third member of the group that wasn't Rapping in that way, but but yes, yeah, she she was always present so I, I Could see how there would be like a little tension with that when they were undermining What she brought to the group but like EPMD they had DJ scratch and DJ scratch was awesome Um Showtime at Apollo when they were on there and I think I've mentioned this in another episode But like he's behind the back and he's scratching on stage. And and that just the creativity there that was going on with, with what he had rehearsed there. I just I just thought that was great. I was like, how how is he able to do this? How is he able to still scratch here? And he's all hands behind the back. He's turning around on stage. This is live, bro. This is not like, oh, if I mess this up, let me just, we're in the studio or, or whatever. We're cutting the track. The DJs um, is being mixed. Now, I don't like the way they sound. Let me, you're on stage. And you got enough confidence to say, hey, I'm just going to turn my back on these turntables and go to work. Yeah, that's that's the type of level of dedication that I feel like these DJs had in the 80s. MC Light, K-Rock, he had his own song at the end of, at least, I don't remember the album before if he had something, but I know on Eyes on Me, by the time she got like second album in, at the at the end of that album, K-Rock had his time to scratch and, and just do what he wanted to do. And I thought that was great that MC Light gave him that platform. Big Daddy Kane had Mr. C. Now, Mr. C, he would shout out Mr. C in in the rhymes. And, you know, he would tell him, you know, just go ahead, Mr. C. Cut it up, do whatever. And, you know, he would give him some props there or whatever. But for a second, when I, when I thought of Big Daddy Kane, I, I had to think for a second, like, who was the DJ? So I don't <laughs> I don't know if that relationship started to kind of fizzle out a little bit more. It seems like on Long Live Kane, there was more of a presence of Mr. C. And as time went on, I feel like it was not as much of a presence of Mr. C. But I could be totally wrong because I haven't listened to Big Daddy Kane's albums in their entirety for a minute. I'll have to go back and do that. Now that I'm going over this podcast, it makes me want to go back and check back with that catalog to see exactly what if I'm even borderline in the right place with that. But but yeah, I I can see EPMD, Eric and Parrish making dollars and DJ Scratch yeah that that doesn't quite flow as well as Airbn rock M. so i can understand mc light and djk rock that, that kind of goes you know that i think that goes together fine but again i can understand female mc she's doing her own thing she's solo i i could see how you know maybe she just wanted to have that top billing all to herself but The most common connection that I have for that DJ having that top billing. And he's still doing shows now. He travels out of the U.S. all over the world. This is a man who had COVID or or contracted COVID when he was overseas and... He said, like it, he was in that strand of people when they when they first started getting it, where it was so bad that he was saying he he lost like some memory, like he couldn't remember some days or whatever. And I was like, man, I, I definitely hope he recovers fully from that because wow, that's that's just that was rough when I when I heard the ultimate DJ of all DJs, DJ Jazzy Jeff, talking about. His, his experience with COVID. So um, I'm, I'm so glad that he's back to his healthy days. He's doing a lot. Um, he has like the lunch break type shows and everything like that. So he definitely is still putting in the work. But like DJ Jazzy Jeff, I can just. I, I can't say enough about. How. How great he was in the, or even now is, I shouldn't say was, but is when it comes to the turntablism, the scratching of just like anything I've heard from music to like voice stuff, sound effects. He can scratch anything and make it just like an incredible type type of experience to listen to. And I found that that he got like a lot of exposure when it was the second album. He's the rapper, I'm the D I'm the DJ, he's He's the DJ, I'm the rapper. I don't know why that kept spinning in my mind while I was like, what am I? Which one is first? But yeah, on that he definitely got a chance to showcase his skills and I think that would be for me the the point where I was like oh he's he's a cut above the rest he's he's not (laughs) your typical DJ and I think that is what has allowed him to define himself without Fresh Prince even though they're still boys they still cool to this day they still get together and sometimes I know probably before the pandemic, I guess they were somewhere and Will was shouting them out on stage and and they were, you know, it was just like good to see that like all these years later, decades later, that they still have such a great bond. But I think that his skills early on in the 80s, DJ Jazzy Jeff showed that he was one of those DJs that was going to be around, that he was still gonna be able to make a living for himself, by himself. So I, I, I just think that is just awesome, just really, really commendable that he was able to just carry on and that people are acknowledging how skillful he is. But yeah, that, that was huge in the 80s. That DJ being first, it, it was definitely a signature sound because you knew you were going to get something from that DJ on that album. Airbnb, Rock, Kim, Chinese Arithmetic. That was amazing to me. You know, I I really, really appreciated that. Pete Rock and CL Smooth, even in the 90s, and I'm going to have a whole other podcast about DJs in the 90s, mixtapes and all that stuff, but Pete Rock, CL Smooth. CL Smooth still acknowledging that, hey, I got the DJ on deck that is also, at that point, a producer. Pete Rock is finding a lot of these beats and he's crate digging. So, again, that changed my perspective as well, just as like what the DJ was was doing, because I thought. For a long time, like, okay, they're scratching they're they're out there hyping up or. It's the person that the rapper points back to and, you know, they're kind of playing off each other and stuff like that. But Pete Rock took my. My thoughts of what a DJ was even further, even though Jeff would eventually become like in production and have like his own production team. And he has a major hand that I did not even know until I read that Time book in the um neo soul movement you know, would be music soul child being connected to the touch of jazz label and jill scott and so on and so on but peak rock with that whole crate digging the beats all those beats being found those samples and everything like that just blew my mind that like okay we're we're taking the dj game to a whole nother level like we're we're beyond just like scratching and turntableism we're we're going into production mode. So we got DJ Premier that also comes along with Gangstar. And so and that's another one where, yeah, the the name was not there in front, not like a DJ Premier gang, but they were a duo. So you kind of just I I was cool with that. I was cool with that. There are times, there are exceptions to the rule. Where I'm cool with it like Ali Shaheed Muhammad, A Tribe Called Quest. We don't really need A Tribe Called Quest featuring like DJ name thrown out there. They're they're the tribe, they're all together. So again, I was cool with that as well. But yeah, there there are some artists that I would've appreciated if they would've given that DJ like a little bit of, give the DJ a little time to shine, will just Just a little bit. They don't need the whole B side of the album. Or the cassette, just just give them a song here and there, you know, let them show off the skills. That, that's how I feel. That that's what the 80s did for me. It put me in that place where I acknowledge that hey, there's a DJ here that's that's running this thing. At least if you're gonna do a show before we started getting into the live bands that some hip hop artists had, but before you got the roots that really like did it up. And I know Jay Z had them backing him for the unplugged session. So yeah, it became a thing where you had some artists that were interested in having like a whole band, hip hop artists that had a whole band in place. But in the eighties, For the most part that just was not going down like that you had dj with a turntable and a mc with a mic that was it that's what you got so the dj was responsible for a whole lot so i appreciated the fact that that there were some artists that were giving the dj props in that way but but yeah that that's all i have to say on on that aspect of the eighties. But if you can't tell from just listening to me ramble on here, DJ Jazzy Jeff goes down in my book as the top on my list of DJs. Now, when I get into later podcasts, DJs, mixtapes, I will mention some that are probably not even known to a lot of people. Just, just because, there's so much access to more DJs that are not connected to famous artists that maybe they do blends I like. Maybe they do concept mixtapes I like. So that became more of a thing in the 90s and beyond. But yeah, DJs in the 80s, if they were really up on games, sometimes they got their, their top billing or they got the shout out in the song and they were able to kind of show off their skills on on the album. You just didn't have to wait to like see that artist in person to find out that their DJ is nice. You got a chance to hear it on the album. So yeah, that was cool. I, I love that aspect of the 80s. Another cornerstone that makes you know for sure, like, hey, you're an 80s baby. You, if you remember, if you were connected to hip hop at all in that way, so so yeah, that was that. Um Terminator X also, public enemy. Um, but it not connected in that way. But I want to say Terminator X may have had a whole album featuring like other artists. But yeah, the DJ definitely got the recognition that they deserved. I think some even deserved even more than that, but now we're just at that place. The rapper has top billing. There's a DJ in place sometimes when they go and they hit a stage. But I don't know their names. Just just saying. I'm sure J. Cole has a DJ that shows. I don't know who J. Cole has for his DJ. Kendrick Lamar. I don't know. So, So, yeah. That's it. My take on DJs of the 80s. You have any thoughts on it. Let me know. Let me know your favorite DJ of the 80s. If you were in that time frame, I'm curious, always curious to know what your thoughts are. So but that's it. DJ for Party One podcast. This is your host, cl 45 I am signing out until the next time. Thank you for joining me.